This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We want to first off thank everyone who contributed uh, to our annual pledge drive. We, uh, we really couldn't do it without you. But I do have to note with some sadness that the station has fallen a bit short of its stated goal of $60,000. These are, of course, hard economic times, and we do need your support more than ever. So what the good people in the core staff are going to do is to try and keep the option of you calling in, or better yet, uh, pledging through the website, fundraiser.kdbs.org. And please do so for the next few weeks to get us closer to that, uh, that goal so we can continue to do what you tune into this station to hear. Now, according to our general manager, Neil Rood, as of two days ago, we were still about $20,000 short of our goal. Neil did note in an email that new taxes on ASUCD from the University Office of the President and the university have a huge impact on the ASUCD budget. KDVS is thus facing a $10,000 budget cut for the 2012 fiscal year. Although we unfortunately do not have operators standing by to take your call, please do try to go to fundraiser.kdvs.org and do what you can. We hope to have Neil back on the show before he uh, leaves his tenure as our, as our GM, a role which he has served very well. Which reminds me, we need to bring Kevin Corrigan back, our GM from two years ago on the program. I was going to talk with, with uh, him and his father, who is a, uh, an editor of the Los Angeles Times in the business section. Uh, uh, I was down in uh, Pasadena to make that happen two years ago. It kind of fell through, but we're going to have to revisit that. But let us begin today's program as we like to do with On This Date in History. The date in question is the 10th of May. It was on May 10th in 1749 that the 10th and final volume of English author Henry Fielding's novel Tom Jones was published. It tells the humorous story of the attempts of an illegitimate yet charming Englishman to win the hand of his neighbor's daughter. Which kind of reminds me, I've got the movie sitting on my shelf where it's been sitting for about, I don't know, six or seven years. It's time I watched it. Apparently Hollywood did do a, a pretty good version of it some years back. On May 10th in 1872, Victoria Claffin Woodhill becomes the first woman nominated to be president of the United States. She was chosen by the National Woman's Suffrage Association in New York City. And on this date in 1924, a bureaucrat named J. Edgar Hoover got promoted to be the director of the U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation. Hoover remained in that office until his death in 1972. And frankly, this correspondent cannot resist telling a story about Hoover because it brought about one of our favorite expressions on this program. The story, and I believe it was told by uh, Jason Robards playing Ben Bradley on, uh, in the movie, All the President's Men, was that Bradley leaked a story that Lyndon Baines Johnson was about to uh, sort of retire J. Edgar Hoover. When the word got out and LBJ heard about it, he called a press conference and announced to the nation that he was appointing J. Edgar Hoover Director of the FBI for life. Yes, for life, like a dictator of a banana republic. Which is really not a bad metaphor for Hoover. When Johnson was asked why he did this rather shocking thing, his reply was that he would rather have Hoover inside the tent peeing out than outside the tent peeing in. And of course, peeing isn't exactly the word that he used. 
Since Bradley's leak was blamed for this chain of events, someone accused him of, of saddling us with Hoover for the rest of his life. We'll have more to say about Ben Bradley, uh, Bob Woodburn, and Watergate before we're through. But it was on May 10th in 1941 in one of the more peculiar uh, episodes of World War II, the Rudolf Hess, Nazi uh, dictator Adolf Hitler's deputy, parachuted into Scotland claiming he was on a peace mission. He ended up instead with a life sentence in Spandau, Germany, near Berlin, where he died of an apparent suicide in 1987. So the story goes, and I can't vouch for this one, uh, a number of British intelligence operatives, including Ian Fleming, bribed a German astrologer to tell Hess that the stars were especially uh, portentous for his effort to bring the war to a close on favorable German terms if he would just fly to Scotland. Don't know if it's true, but if you know the story behind that anecdote, please drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com. Oh, wait, I'm forgetting to mention that it was on this date in 1869 in a remote corner of Utah that the presidents of the Union Pacific and Central Pacific Railroads met and drove a ceremonial golden spike into the rail line that connected their railroads and made transcontinental rail service possible for the first time in U.S. history. And finally, it's a red-letter day in musical history. It was on May 10th in 1954 that the American musical group Bill Haley and the Comets released Rock Around the Clock, considered to be the first rock and roll number to top the charts. The song apparently started out slowly, but became a hit when it was used in the movie The Blackboard Jungle. I think I know, Mr. Millen, what our bumper music will be for this segment. A quote today comes from photographer Liesel Steiner, who said, Don't be possessed by your possessions. That's good advice. Our quote of the day comes from David Letterman, who a few days ago said, Happy birthday to Jay Leno, who turned 62. If you'd like to get Jay a gift, you can't go wrong with giving him someone else a show. That opens up our jokes of the day, two of which come from Jay Leno, such as... German authorities report they've discovered digital files hidden in a porn movie that outline Al-Qaeda's plans for more attacks. I believe this is the first time that a porn movie has ever contained a plot. Also this. Legendary poker player Amarillo Slim has passed away at the age of 83. His friends were stunned. They thought he was bluffing. And there's this from Jimmy Fallon. Today, Mitt Romney visited a firehouse here in New York City. Of course, he was disappointed when he learned that the firehouse is not where you go to fire people. Our stat of the day, public approval of the U.S. Supreme Court has sunk to a 25-year low. Just 52% of the people say they hold a positive view of the court, down from 80% in 1994. This is the lowest figure in the history of the poll, which began in 1987. Gee, the people that gave us Citizens United? Huh. I can't imagine a ruling that corporations should have unlimited ability to buy political candidates would be looked on with disfavor. Hmm. And not disclosing that they're doing it? Oh, we should allow that too. Luckily, there is a groundswell in this country to try and pass a constitutional amendment to correct this egregious Supreme Court decision. Uh, of course, constitutional amendments are not easy to come by. Chris, we're intrigued to note last week of the following piece by Ian Milheiser from Think Progress. 
noting that Mitch McConnell and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce has told the Supreme Court to double down on Citizens United. Apparently, they're currently considering whether to hear a case that will enable it to correct its error in that ruling and overrule its indefensible decision to allow unlimited corporate and other wealthy donor money to influence elections. But apparently, neither the corporate lobby nor the Senate's top Republican are eager to see this occur. Both of them filed briefs in the Supreme Court last week, urging the justices not only to reaffirm Citizens United, but to do so without even hearing argument in the case. Which prompts me to say that I think Mitch McConnell is a first-class jackass. Of course, that opinion, like all those heard in this program, do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regions of the University of California. But, uh, man, he's still a jerk. And on that note, let's see if we can't do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for ordering the salad after a new report found that cars driven by Americans are burning up almost 1 billion additional gallons of gas a year because so many of us are overweight. And yes, that's billion with a B. And it was a bad week last week for offering excuses to law enforcement after an Illinois man pulled over for allegedly driving 111 miles per hour in a 45-mile-an-hour zone, told a cop he was in such a hurry because he was on his way, quote, to have sex, unquote. Police said Zachary Ramirez, age 21, roared past a speed trap on a rural road, then blew through a traffic light and stop sign. Rather than make it to his assignation, Ramirez had a date with a judge who released him hours later on a $200 bond. Please, if you are in a hurry... To go have sex, by all means, obey the traffic laws. We present this as a KDVS public service announcement. And it was an ugly week last week for tempting fate after Australian billionaire Clive Palmer announced plans to build the Titanic 2, a modern version of the infamous ocean liner with a launch date scheduled for 2016. (laughs) Said Palmer... It's going to be designed so it won't sink. Mr. Palmer, I, I, I hope you're aware of this, but they said that about the first one. And finally, I'm not sure whether this is good, bad, or ugly. It's got components of all three, but a California motorcyclist is now suing BMW, claiming that riding his motorcycle gave him a permanent erection. Henry Wolf says that after taking a four-hour ride on his cycle's ridged seat, he developed an erection that's lasted 20 months and damaged his genitals. Says the lawsuit, he is now unable to engage in sexual activity, which is causing him substantial emotional and mental anguish. Now, I'm in somewhat of a unique position to comment on this particular item, given that A, I ride a BMW motorcycle, and B, I operate a clinic that deals with erectile dysfunction, among other things. And while I do not expect to be called as an expert witness in this particular case, I don't mind expressing the opinion that I am highly skeptical that a motorcycle ride caused this affliction. I'm even somewhat skeptical that there is such an affliction. But in the world of medicine, I guess anything's possible. 
Frankly, I would like to hear from any urologists out there in the audience. If you've heard of such a thing, drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com. And from the Only in America file, we have the news that a lawyer has entered a not guilty plea for a man charged with murdering seven people at a California college that he once attended. Yes, a public defender for 43-year-old One Go entered the plea Monday on his client's behalf in Alameda Superior Court. And now we don't understand how it is you can be caught with a smoking pistol in your hand and seven dead bodies around you and you still get to enter a plea of not guilty. This reminds me of a cartoon they once had in Mad Magazine showing a TV screen, a pistol-waving assailant pointing a gun at a man's head where a bullet hole has appeared in the forehead, and the arrow on the screen points to the man saying, alleged assassin. And for those who think Mitt Romney is going to be a uniter and not a divider, we have the following. According to the Washington Post, Richard Grinnell, whom Mitt Romney chose last month as his presidential campaign's national security and foreign policy spokesman, stepped down from his post last Tuesday, suggesting that conservative backlash over his sexuality prevented him from being effective in his role. In a statement provided to the press, Grinnell, who is openly gay, said, While I welcome the challenge to confront President Obama's foreign policy failures and weak leadership on the world stage, my ability to speak clearly and forcefully on the issues has been greatly diminished by the hyper-partisan discussion of personal issues that sometimes comes from a presidential campaign. Of course, by that phrase, you think it was the Obama campaign that took him out. Oh, no. In fact, the blame lies with conservative Republicans. Matthew Frank, director of the William E. and Carol G. Simon Center on Religion and the Constitution at the Witherspoon Institute. I, I, th- I do think they mean the Witherspoon Institute. Called Grinnell a loose cannon with a passion for the gay agenda. The Romney team maintains it was Grinnell's decision to leave his post. But a series of critics on the right had suggested that Grinnell's sexuality would present problems for Romney, who has struggled to court the religious wing of the GOP, who had previously changed his positions on issues such as abortion and health care. But uh, the tide may be running differently in California. We have this piece by Jim Sanders from the B Capitol Bureau. I'm just going to read this one. For the first time, California would ask its contractors if they are gay under legislation passed Monday by the Assembly. The measure, Assembly Bill 1960, would enable the owners of businesses that contract with the state to identify themselves as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. It would not require them to do so. The Assembly vote was 47 to 24, with only one Republican supporting it. The bill now heads to the Senate. Apparently, according to the piece, the Department of General Services currently is required to collect data on contractors by race, ethnicity, and gender. AB 1960 would add LGBT-owned businesses to that list. This bill is by Sacramento Democratic Assemblyman Roger Dickinson. It seeks data involving state contracts for construction, professional services, and for purchase of materials, supplies, or equipment. Dickinson said the measure would allow state officials and gay and lesbian groups to better pinpoint the extent which LGBT-owned businesses are helping to drive the state economy. And uh, here's an item we frankly can't resist, piece by Tony Bizjack and the Bee, noted on Tuesday that this failed drive for an arena cost Sacramento $680,000. City officials now say they knew last September when they asked the council for initial funding that the deal might not pan out, but felt the project was worth the investment. Said Assistant City Manager John Dangbird, 
At that point, we were gaining cautious optimism that we could get this thing financed. But there were issues we couldn't overcome with the team. So when we follow stories like the fact that the good people in Sacramento cannot afford $1 million to pick up the leaves that fall from our trees, we'll have to just ask, uh, well, is that because you spent two-thirds of a million dollars to look into a big financial giveaway to Las Vegas billionaires? Actually, it's becoming increasingly clear that the Maloofs are no longer billionaires. But doggone it, that's all I want to say about that topic today. Sorry to report this correspondent has not had a chance to go up to Lotus and the, uh, the Marshall Gold Discovery uh, site up near uh, Coloma. And uh, no word on whether those scientists using a Zeppelin, <laughs> yes, using, I guess, the only Zeppelin in uh, the West Coast to go look for a possible crash site of that large meteorite up in the Sierra foothills. I really would like to go up and look for pieces of a carbonaceous chondrite. I saw this Zeppelin flying across the skies of the Bay Area when I was driving down there. Uh, of course, the difference between a Zeppelin and a blimp is that a Zeppelin has a rigid construction of its body, whereas a blimp is like a big balloon. And, you know, frankly, I would like to see more Zeppelins in the skies, wouldn't you? I mean, these days they use helium. They don't, they don't blow up like the Hindenburg. Of course, I am rather irked about the fact that, uh, that, that meteorites are pretty cool objects, but thanks to shows like Meteor Men and all the publicity surrounding this, uh, the price has been jacked up thoroughly. But it sure would be cool to find your own piece, and, and doggone it, I may give it a shot here. That's something else we'd like to hear from you uh, you listeners on. If you've been up there in the Coloma area looking for meteorite pieces, doggone it, drop us a line and tell us how that went at info at radioparallax.com. This might be a good time to remind you that, an, that a solar eclipse is coming in Northern California. It'll be here 10 days from now. You may want to uh, consider making a trip up to the Reno area with taking along some welder's glass with you. Unfortunately, you may, as you may have noticed, uh, there was much, uh, much hype about this um, full moon on, uh, on the weekend. It was especially bright because the full moon coincided with the moon being as, just about as close as it gets to the Earth. And uh, that did make for a pretty spectacular full moon. Unfortunately, two weeks later, we're going to be screwed because <laughs> as the geometry is going to work out, when the moon passes directly in front of the sun, it's going to be about as far as it gets from the Earth, meaning it will not cover the sun up completely, which frankly is a first-class bummer. As Bob Berman pointed out on this program uh, some months ago, about one of the coolest things you can ever experience is a total solar eclipse, but uh, they only happen on any given spot on, uh, on planet Earth roughly once every 400 years. And no, this one coming in Northern California, unfortunately, is not going to qualify. Still a cool thing, though, if you can get some appropriate, uh, you know, eyewear, or better yet, project the image of the sun onto a screen. There's ways you can do that. Even, even a pair of binoculars works. Uh, you'll be able to see a very intriguing sight. Yeah, but it'll still be daylight. Oh, and yes, when I say binoculars, that's for holding it up and, you know, looking out the other... In fact, forget I said binoculars. For more information about Eclipse Viewing, we refer you to our interview with Bob Berman on our website, radioparallax.com. 
I think we're about due for a short break, so let's take one. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. we got plenty more in the next two segments, so don't go away. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're gonna rock around the clock tonight. Put your flat rags on. 